Well, I, I decided to be controversial this morning. I'm going to talk about just Jesus got it all wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He only lived here three years, and, and so I'm going to straighten it out today. Let's start at Luke chapter 6, reading our scripture. Love for enemies. See right there. That's, that's a mistake right there. Verse 27, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect payment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now, I don't know about you, Thinking about maybe 2,000 years ago, things were different. Maybe it applied back then, just loving your enemies, doing the good to those who hate you. You know, it gets down to this verse, do to others as you would have them do to you. And I've, I've heard another analogy of that, says do unto others before they do unto you. And that's the way it seems to get ahead in this world. You got to take care of number one. You got to watch out for self. You got to make sure that you're on top. You got to put others down. This stuff that, that Jesus is saying here just flies against everything this whole world teaches us. I've been around 67 years and tried to deal with people. And uh, it just, you know, I, I just don't know if it works. Give to everyone who asks, I'd go broke if I gave to everybody that asked me for something. I don't know what Jesus must be talking about there. Loving those who love you. Even sinners love those. Well, yeah, I mean, I, li I like people to like me, and I like to like them back. That makes sense. And lending money, well, sure, I expect repayment. That only makes sense. But Jesus finishes up there says, Then your reward will be great. Well, I, I don't know how you're going to get a reward if you're giving everything away. You're going to be broke. You're going to be dirt poor. And once you are, people are going to forget you and move on. Isn't that the lesson of the prodigal son? He got all his inheritance and everybody loved him for a while. They partied and had a good time. But as soon as the money was gone, they were gone. That's the way the world is today. And Jesus goes on and on about these things, about the way we're to treat other people and and uh, love them and turn the other cheek. There's a John Wayne movie I really enjoy. I don't remember the exact one to tell you the title, but somebody slugs him on one side 
And he says, brother, the good Lord says, when somebody strikes you on the cheek to turn the other cheeks. So he turns the other cheek and they haul off and they whack him on the other cheek. And then he says, brother, the good Lord doesn't say what to do next. And he punches him. <laughs> yeah, old John Wayne knew how to deal with the situation. That is how we often approach our world. You got to look out for yourself. You got to watch out. You can't let anybody get anything up on you. People are ready to stab you in the back and put you down, treat you bad. And so it just makes sense. And, and this Jesus telling us that we'll be rewarded. And then I, I was thinking on the sermon. And I was thinking about that illustration I did last week with Roger and Cash about perspective. And I thought I'd use my board again because that's what it's all about. Is that perspective of me disagreeing with what Jesus is saying, with me not wanting to do what he says, is seeing it from self. It's thinking of what I need to do to get myself ahead. How I need to make an impression on this world. Seeing it how I see things. And Jesus is talking about another way. And so it's changing that perspective and starting to think of things from God's way. Paul talks about it. We've been studying about the spiritual gifts. At the end of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, there's one line that Paul shares there. And it says, after he's talking all about the spiritual gifts, he says, but I have a more excellent way. And I, I, I just think that's the point in the nutshell. Jesus is showing us a better way. All of us are used to what I'm taking the position of, and you understand it's tongue-in-cheek. You knew that probably from the start. Hope you did, that I wasn't serious about that. Jesus didn't get anything wrong. From the world's position of those who haven't followed Jesus, don't believe in Him, don't even act like they follow Him, that way of looking out from self is the right way. That is the way to look at things. There's no reason for them but to think differently. But when Jesus comes into our life, this is what he's telling us, is there's a better way for you to live. Instead of worrying about what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, how we're going to go about, trust in him. Instead of defending ourselves, and taking vengeance in our own hands, trust that we are in God's hands and that He will see us through. Instead of fighting and scrapping and, and disagreeing and trying to get our point across and trying to be them on top of the pile, serve Him honestly, faithfully, and let God sort things out. There's a great proverb. I know many of you like the proverbs, and I've shared before about them. And it says, better to be asked to come up to the platform, the banquet table, 
than to take that position and be asked to step down for someone else. That'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? To think that I deserve to be up here and I'm the one, and so you go up there and you take this place of prominence only to be asked to step down. That's not for you. As we follow God's way, He's saying there is a better way. He's trying to open our minds to that better way. And it's difficult because it's so ingrained in us about watching out for self. And there's, there's, I mean, you understand, there's wisdom there. You don't want to fall prey to scams. You don't want to fall prey to people that truly are out to do you harm. But that's different from taking an attitude that everybody's out to get me, that everybody wants to step on me, because there are people out there who aren't like that. Many years ago, my brother gave me some advice in dealing with companies, whatever it was, about tires for your car. He said, Wes, you just got to be assertive. You got to stand up for yourself. You got to tell them. Make sure they understand. And I tried that for a while and had some success, I guess, by being that way. But I didn't feel good inside that every time I interacted with somebody, it was a battle before it even started. I found there were a lot of people out there who want to do good business and who want to do the best for you. And so I kind of backed off from that. I had a professor at music school that taught never apologize. And I think that's one of Gibbs rules, never say you're sorry. And I don't like that one either. I don't think it's right. I've stood before congregations before and said, I messed up. And I fessed up. That's the old phrase. If you mess up, fess up. And sometimes, to be honest with you, when that has happened, it was lorded over me. It wasn't taken in the spirit given. And that's the danger we have when we open ourselves up to people. When we say, I'm sorry I did that. I messed up. Will you forgive me? A lot of times, they don't want to say those words, yes, I forgive you. And it's hard to leave it there and walk away without that assent. But that's what God calls us to do, is to submit ourselves to Him and to be humble and trust Him to take care of the situation. That's awful hard. And it, it gets us to that point where we have to truly live for Jesus Christ and believe that He's right here with us, that He's watching out for us, that He's going to make all things good. Romans 8.28 That He will turn whatever happens into good. doesn't say it is good, but He says He'll make good come out of it. Do we trust Him that deeply? Do we believe that He's watching out for us? Or, or do we believe that, that I got to make sure to take care of myself? It's a hard thing. I've shared with you before that Christianity is easy to become a Christian. Easy as your ABCs. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus as God's Son. Confess that He's the only one and the resurrection. It's hard being a Christian. It's hard to 
to let Him mold our hearts and to yield to Him and to each other. It's hard to place others first and maybe that means that we are taken down a notch. But Paul goes on as he's talked about these spirits in that wonderful chapter that we read so often in weddings. 1 Corinthians 13. I won't read the whole chapter. But this is the crux of it. Teaching us to love one another. Jesus said that. Love is patient. Don't we need patience? Don't we need people just to give us a chance? Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It doesn't put other people down. It doesn't build or try to build ourselves up by making others less. It is not self-seeking. Love, like Jesus talks about, is seeking the best for others, even if that means taking less ourselves. Now he's getting into meddling. It is not easily angered. Things happen to us and we fly off. They sure did me dirty and all kinds of thoughts go through our heads. It's hard to trust that we're God's. He knows and we can just rest in Him and just kind of let it pass. Even harder, keeps no record of wrongs. Boy, I bet some of us could sit there and we could go back many years back when somebody did something to us. Paul's teaching us that if we practice love, we forget that. And that is the essence of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not just saying the words. When we don't forgive, we're holding on to a right that we suppose we have that was violated. But the situation is when we become Christ, we yield those rights to Him. And we trust that whatever comes in our lives is coming filtered through Him. And it comes to build us up, to make us strong, or to show us how He will provide, how we, He will bring us through a bad situation. Jesus was confronted with, with different people with uh, physical maladies and said, Lord, who sinned, this man who's blind, his parents or him? And Jesus said, neither one of them did. But this happened so that God could be glorified when Jesus healed him. So people had that attitude that if something bad befell, it must have been because they did something wrong. But as I talked about the rain, we have the scripture that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean everything's rosy and problems don't come. Matter of fact, may get more problems, to be straight with you. One of the things that we can know if we will embrace the spirit world and embrace that verse that we fight against, not flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, demons, and dark angels. There is a spiritual enemy that comes against us. And many years ago, had the benefit of sitting at First Baptist 
Atlanta, and they had Stephen Olford come in. I don't know if you know Stephen Olford. Uh, he, he's a great preacher. You think he's from Scotland or something, so he had that lilt that everybody liked listening to. Didn't care what he said, just liked listening to him. But he said some good things. And he brought up, back in that day, Flip Wilson. What was Flip Wilson's line? The devil made me do it. And he brought out that most of you, talking to us in the congregation, aren't doing anything, aren't doing enough that the devil's got to worry about you. That's a sad commentary. We're no threat to Satan in our walk with God. We're not proclaiming Jesus Christ. We're not leading others to Christ. We're not bringing up and, and exemplifying Christ in our lives. So he ain't got to worry about us. But when we do, when we start acting as a body in unity and love, when we start making a difference in our community, when we start having a difference through our lives of bringing people to Christ, then he gets interested, then he comes against us. Just as that scripture says that the devil is a ravenous lion seeking whom he may devour. But he doesn't waste his time on people not making a difference. So keeps no record of wrong. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Checking your heart, where your heart is. Love always protects not just ourselves, or maybe not ourselves, but protects others. Always trust always hopes, always perseveres. So Paul encapsulates what Jesus is trying to get us to see in changing how we think, changing our mind. You know, at, uh, I've shared with you before, uh, I really have a big disagreement with those people that want to say that Jesus erased the law of the Old Testament. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And not a single word of the law shall pass until that last day. What Jesus did do is he carried that law further. The Old Testament and the Ten Commandments say, thou shalt not commit murder. That's, that's malicious taking someone's life intentionally Jesus says but I tell you if you have hate in your heart you have committed murder the Old Testament New Testament uh, I mean Ten Commandments say thou shalt not commit adultery that act of being intimate with somebody outside of wedlock outside of your marriage Jesus says but I tell you if you look upon another with lust in your heart you have committed adultery. So see, Jesus isn't releasing us from those old commands. He's taking them deeper. He's making them harder, in essence. Because he's saying, you might be able to sit here in pride and say, I've never done those acts. I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery. I've never done those things. But then Jesus looks at the heart have you ever had hate to where you wanted to see somebody do harm? Have you ever 
desired someone that wasn't yours. That's what lust is, is an inordinate desire. And so he's teaching us this deeper, this better way. And as we've been studying these spiritual gifts, that's part of the, uh, the reason for it is to go deeper and deeper with him. I've had several of those inventories turned in and it's really interesting to look at them. I'm compiling them. If you have your inventory, please complete it and turn it in. If you haven't, there's some out in the vestibule. Please get one, turn it in so that we can gain an insight. I'll, I'll look at it and then give it back to you that's evaluated so you can see with some explanation of how to interpret it and apply it to your life. So as we think through the mind of man and through our selfish flesh, everything Jesus said is foolishness. But Jesus is looking at a better way. At a better way to live. At a way that honors God. and a way that helps us to live at peace with those around us. And he shares that with us. And Paul does that. He says some other things. Jesus tells us, about how he lives on another realm. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, Isaiah 55. God lives on a, a different plane, a different level, than we do in the baseness of our sin. And that salvation experience is that beginning to the path. It lets us into the room where things start happening, but that's not where we're supposed to stay. God is teaching us, drawing us, that there is this higher way, His way, that we are to move towards. One way is through that Holy Spirit that He endows us with. And that's why we've been studying that. Because that Holy Spirit is there to give us wisdom. Yes, He's a comforter, but He's also an advocate. He's also a, a giver of wisdom, of knowledge. Jesus said, He will tell you things from the Father. And He said, through Him, you'll do greater things than I have done. Meaning... Jesus in his human was limited and he could only be in one place at one time. But as the Holy Spirit comes and fills the church, we can impact even more. And so we're called to that higher way. We're called to a better way. But to get to that better way means letting go of the old ways. Letting go of the working to keep self inflated, to protect ourselves through not letting anybody get the best of us, to uh, not, not taking a chance at looking bad. Sometimes that's why we won't step out is because we're afraid that we're going to fail. And you will. That's life. You, you move forward, you step out, sometimes you're going to misstep but you're not going to fall far. Dr. Stanley had another illustration that he would talk about is Jesus will bring us to a cliff, uh, uh, an issue in our life that he wants us to grow in. 
And he'll say, step out and trust me. And it's scary to us because when we look down, there, we see nothing but falling to our demise. And he said, what we don't know, but we can trust, is Jesus may be here ready to catch us. And may be here. And to where it lets us fall a little bit. Let's us struggle, but all of it, he's always there to catch us. And the intent is to build us in trust and faith. That verse from Hebrews, for it's impossible for anyone that comes to God must believe that he exists. For without faith it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Is that how you're walking with Christ? Are you willing to step out when he says step out, believing that he's there? Don't know how long you may struggle. I've, I tried one time, I've tried many times to try to get this picture, and I, I wish I was a better artist because I see our life, we kind of go around in circles. We just keep repeating the same problems, the same issues, but every so often we have a breakthrough in our life. We understand something God's saying to us, and when we do that, we slip into another level. And we circle on that one for a while until we get another truth. And each truth draws us closer to God. If we refuse those truths, if we refuse to to listen to God, to grow, to study, we just kind of stay in that same rut, round and round, not going anywhere, not growing, not serving Him like He'd like us to. But when that Holy Spirit can get our attention and we break through to that point, we, we go to another level, a deeper level. And as we continue to trust and to believe and to grow, it draws us closer and closer to God. And that's what Jesus is saying. So to the world, it's foolishness, all the things He says. To the world, it doesn't make sense. But when we get into the realm of God, it can still blow our minds and stretch our imaginations, but we can believe that He's, he's taking us to that higher deeper level of walking with God and that it is a reward. Jesus said, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. Not if you quote a hundred verses. Not if you memorize the whole Bible. Not if you sing the best songs. But if you love one another. When people start seeing that unity of love, they know there's a difference. They know something's happening within because they know what it's like getting along with people. We all know what it's like getting along with each other. And so when we develop that Christian love for each other, we draw in unity, working together to proclaim that's visible. People see that. And people know that we're his disciples. What is that love? It is patient. It is kind. 
It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It doesn't, it's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It doesn't self-seek. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil. Rejoices in the truth. It protects, trusts, hopes, and always perseveres. As we believe God, as we trust in Him, as blows come our way, as disappointments come, uh, as we don't get our way, as we uh, have to accept something else, the Christian perseveres in trusting God and saying, God, I don't understand. I don't know why this is coming. I don't know why you don't do it my way. It's the good way, Lord. But you're choosing a different path. And I'm going to trust in your wisdom and your knowledge and your love for me that you're building me up, not tearing me down. That's the other perspective that he's calling us to. And that's the purpose of learning about the Holy Spirit because that's who Jesus assigned to teach us these things. That's how we can go to Scripture and read it and meaning come out to us. That's the Holy Spirit interpreting, working, bringing it to light. So as we trust in that truth that Jesus has given, as we trust in these truths of our spiritual gifts and in the working and step out in that step of faith, God will reward. Let's stand and have our closing hymn. This is that chance for you to assert that I'm resolved no longer to linger. I'm not going to stay in the way of this world. I'm going to move towards Jesus. And as you do that, you say in your prayer time, Lord, what is it you're trying to say to me? I've shared with you before that one time I just got like a, a person in fibrillation just couldn't go anywhere because I knew there were so many things that I needed to address in my life. And I finally heard someone say that, ask God what it is that he's most focused on right now and deal with that. And that's what I encourage you to do is you're striving to know the Lord. Don't try to fix everything at once. But say, God, what is most critical to you? And then listen to his leadership in that.